I'm Andile, and this is my take. Today's episode starts in the Power FM parking lot, where I recently met up with a friend of mine, Chef Lisejo Semenya, to document what I like to call his culinary hustle. He goes by less to his mates. How you doing, my man? I'm good, but how are you? Paula, I'm good, man. Yeah, I saw the Zim plates are like, ah, Yeah, dog, it's me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm titling this episode Chef Tips with Lisejo Semenya, because I'll be exploring one man's attempt to live life on his own terms by turning a passion for fine dining and food in general into a brand and business that aims to change the world. So Lester Chef, as he's affectionately known on social media, featured on the first season of Andile's Take, back when the show basically involved just interviewing people I admired, you know, before I was actually telling stories and stuff. Anyway, that interview is probably a great place to start in terms of painting a picture of this at Lester Chef character. Lesejo Semenya is the definitive corporate dropout. The man is a super talented professional chef and a keen biker. None of that yuppie scooter business for this guy. Come on. The man has tattoos and is practically married to the gym. More recently, though, he's taken uh, an entrepreneurial turn having started a premium catering and food consulting business. And he's become quite the media personality these days. You can find him on Twitter and Instagram at Les De Chef. That's at L-E-S De Chef. Or just head to his website, lesdechef.com. Yo, Lesejo, welcome to Andile's Take. Thank you, Andile. Thanks for having me. Are you happy with my intro? I am. Um, you made me laugh at the corporate dropout line, but... Okay, it's true. You can call me that as well. Oh, it's well, definitely true. Lesejo well. did quit his cushy corporate job as a process engineer for a leading IT firm to pursue his passions, travel, writing and cooking. Okay, so you basically confirm you're a celebrity for sure. Nah, I won't say I'm a celeb. Um, South African definition of a celeb is completely off. Oh, sure. He's not a celeb. He's just one of the Mail and Guardian's top 200 young South Africans, named a rising star by House and Leisure been a consulting chef to a number of leading luxury gourmet food and drink brands, appointed resident culinary expert at a handful of South Africa's leading radio stations and TV networks, served as a judge on SABC3's primetime TV show Top Chef South Africa, and of course attracted a fairly sizable following on social media. Celebrity? Maybe. But to be fair, we taped the very first interview I did with him over a year ago, and the Lester Chef brand wasn't nearly as big as it is now. He's landed most of the accolades I just listed in the time since we had our first sit-down. So I've been following you on social media, though. Dude, you've lost a whole Disney character since I last saw you. <laughs> For real, though, like a whole Backstreet Boy, at least. You know, what the heck is going on? <laughs> yeah, just full of the lovely um, definitions of me. Thanks, Andy. Yeah, um, <clears throat> as you said, I'm a, a mini um, celeb or media person and a consultant, um, one of these publicist people looked at me and said, look, for you to get big in this industry and for you to actually make it, you have to design a body. Let me put it that way. Are you serious? They went Hollywood on you, bro. <laughs> they went full Hollywood on me. So there's a whole look that I've been pushing. That's where the whole tattoo chef biker thing comes in. There's a whole story behind it all. Now that should give you a sense of the focus and intentionality that this Soweto native brings to his culinary exploits. After quitting his job in 2008, he took a year off to write and travel before enrolling at the respected Prulith Chefs Academy in Centurion, South Africa. He would later complete a grand diploma in food and wine, as well as five other international diplomas in wine and patisserie. I hope I said that right, French people. 
Anyway, he did this before he set his sights on taking the snobbery out of fine dining and putting African cuisine on the map in terms of global recognition. Oh, I see it's... uh, (laughs) They know what's up. So, by the time I caught up with Les at Power FM a few weeks ago, at the beginning of spring 2016... I found that Les had not only won a bunch of awards, serviced an impressive list of former clients that includes the likes of Richard Branson, worked under chef bosses like Nicky Gibbs and Richard Corrigan, appeared in countless media features, locally and internationally, but he had pretty much stayed true to his blueprint for building an authentic brand as outlined in our first conversation. That I found pretty impressive. Hi. I'm just shadowing this Lesejo features on Apelele Somi's show on Power FM every Friday just after the 2 p.m. news bulletin. They discuss all things food and Apelele and her team get to chow down on whatever less is made and then, of course, chat about it to her listeners. Power Lunch with Apelele Somi, weekdays, 1 to 3 p.m. on Power 98.7. Now, we're talking... All right, so it's almost seven minutes past two o'clock and it's a Friday, which means we're in the foodies corner with resident chef Lester Chef in the studio with us. This particular installment of foodies corner with Apelele was all about creating posh little finger foods like samosas and spring rolls, complete with great dips, as well as pretty drinks that your guests can have fun helping you prepare the spring and all through summer. And by far the most killest things that Les made that day were these gourmet milkshakes served in massive jars, layering different things like four different kinds of ice cream, caramel, cream, seasonal fruit, chocolate sauce, Oreos, marshmallows. Man, who knew watching radio get made could leave a brother so hungry? Foodies Corner with Apelele. It's left me starving, my brother. (laughs) Should have jumped in. I'm glad you... Well, it means you liked it visually, so it means something was appealing. It was insanely good. And, of course, I was doing the Instagram thing and the Snapchat thing. Uh, what does the rest of your day look like? Yeah, it never stops. So after this, I've got a meeting to discuss marketing and monetizing what I do. Then from there, I'm off home to start working, actually. Call it home, but it's where my business is based, so I'm going home to work. And as you can hear in the background, radio carries on and on and on and on. The radio never, never stops at 24-7. Yeah, there was one day where I had three interviews in one day. I just, yeah, <laughs> the life, eh? Glamour, as they call it. Isn't it interesting that people probably don't know this about you unless they know you personally, that you're actually not out, you're not an out there person, actually? No, I'm not, actually. So some months ago, I had a conversation with you at your home. Um, dude, you laid down the blueprint of flipping everything I see you doing right now. A lot has changed, but a lot has stayed the same. What would you say is the one thing that's changed the most and the one thing that's just never moved? Uh, the one thing that's changed the most is the amount of people who actually know me now. I'll never get used to people. I mean, you just saw it earlier on before you started recording. Someone saying, hey, nice to see you again, and I don't remember that. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, that's uh, the one thing that's changed. Um, the brand is more out there now. People know more about me and the brand. One thing that hasn't changed is who I am. I, I am still the same person. I'm still exactly the same. I haven't suddenly gotten a diva... Um, personality or anything like that. A week or so after shadowing Lesejo at Power FM, he invited my wife's Tabiso and I to visit him at a Joburg restaurant called Taste, where he and his team were testing out a four-course fine dining menu for a showcase he was headlining. How do you get in? Around this way. Yeah, no. Hi. Thank you. Hey, dog. Uh, my hand oh. Cannot, yeah, no. 
you don't want to. Are you are you for real? Can I come with you? Uh, are yeah. You... Yeah, we're doing that. Yeah, we're doing that. <laughs> this is my wife. Have you met her? Hello. No, no, we haven't met. Just for... So what unfolds next is mostly an unedited conversation with Les in his natural habitat, the kitchen. It allows us a sneak peek, or in your case, a sneak listen, into the life of a working chef who's on a mission to feed his babies. Not that Les has any just yet, but you know what I mean. He's also keen to leave a legacy. Heads up, though, we were in a real kitchen, and he was actually working the whole time while we were talking. Like you, I hear you say things like design menus, or <laughs> you know, you know, what does that mean? Uh, every restaurant needs a theme. Okay. And that theme um, is usually decided by the owner, but the owner usually doesn't know that food actually should be the beginning of a restaurant. Okay. So they call in a chef to come and create a menu that fits in. Like Taste Lounge, what they're doing here, they're trying to take African food but put on a higher level. Okay. And that's where you bring in someone and they'll create a menu that fits into that whole thing. And that's basically designing a menu. Same as clothes. You fit someone, you design clothes for them that fits them. Same with the menu. Is, is chefing about uh, simplifying complex ideas or is it about elevating simple ideas? It's about elevating simple ideas. Elevating everyday things that people see as normal but then you put a twist on them it's basically like art an artist looks at something and they interpret it in their own way so chef would be the same thing you are interpreting food in your own personal way so we call it the calorie arts because what you're doing is artistic and all the day okay so you've got a team of here two six people in a, in a kitchen yeah. and all of what you're trying to get them ready to execute on this vision you have for yeah. is it is this for the restaurant in general or is this for the specific event you're doing specific event on this Saturday so the whole menu has been written created by me and so typically how long does it take from okay so you would have sat down and, and said okay I want to do this and that yeah. and then you're here to see if those ideas you had in your head are yeah. going to work that's practically. It. So yesterday I sat with the chef okay. and we discussed the menu, worked out that it's possible to do it here okay. and we started getting it going and today... And, and by that what do you mean? The, the, the ingredients and stuff? The ingredients, um, the components, I brought all the ingredients myself because okay. I wanted to see them what I need so they can order exactly what I need. Okay, so it's okay. not... So we see this, you know, on the food shows that like yeah. chefs get all fussy, oh I have to go pick my own <laughs> vegetables or whatever. So, so yeah, it's, like it's, for real, it's for real. It's for real. Okay. And why? What's the big deal? Why can't you just send somebody to go buy for you? No, quality is different. The, you're looking for a specific look, specific flavor, specific ingredient that only you know. So, I mean, you don't be sending people something that you actually didn't believe in from the beginning. Okay. It's like a baby, basically. Every plate is a chef's baby. Okay. And I want to know exactly how and what I put in there. And that is why we're so picky about what we put in there. It's all about produce. Okay. Yeah. And so... So talk me through the concept for this event and the process. Like, from the moment you're lying in bed or in, in your hammock going, okay, that'll be nice. What's the concept? And then how? talk me through it being translated into actual food on a plate. Well, what I did first, I came to taste and I met with the owner and I went through the menu and I saw the type of cuisine they do. And that's where I was like, okay, let me not come in and start to make French fine dining food. Let me come in and try to keep to their theme and twist it up in a Lesotho kind of way. Okay, and, and what, what's, what's their vibe here at Taste? Their vibe is fusion, African cuisine and international food. 
So they take African okay. food and they put twists on it. So get a sandwich where the bread is actually made with gumbot. So the, oh. the bread is, is a gumbot. You get to Mohodi, but it's served in a completely different way. So Mohodi, by the way, is... Uh, uh, You're looking at the, it right there. Oh, yeah, the, the, yeah, the, the offals and stuff. Yeah, and we're standing right in front of it. <laughs> and it's not smelling as, as offals done, so someone's obviously cleaned them thoroughly. <laughs> Yeah. Under your watchful eye, and they, you know, they're actually on the on the gas as we speak, right? Mm-hmm. Are they about to go on a low simmer it's for a very long time? About six hours, maybe. Six hours. It takes forever. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. And so after I saw the menu, I was like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. Went home, put up a few dishes. It's a four-course meal. Trying to twist up African food. It's the story of my life. Each course is going to be a different stage in my life, and each one has been written that way. So I'm not just going to be giving people food. There's actually a reason why I'm giving them the food. There's a whole, it's a personal element. It's linked to who I am. And there's a, a journey through every course. But isn't this kind of how, and, and I know like you are super sensitive to the PR dribble that, go, that comes out about <laughs> you and other chefs and that kind of thing. But, but I know there's this, there's this interesting story that you told me the last time we yeah. met about creating this basically... A, 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 a cultural mashup yeah. that became your calling card, at least initially. Yeah. You know that pie that you know yeah. took you places. Yeah. So this is kind of that, but at a at the next level. Almost. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. Kind of. That's it's been like I say. Every chef has a certain signature, and yeah. even though I don't like being put in a corner, I reckon that would be my signature. Then it's about taking our food and elevating it. Yeah. Um, and people have come. To expect that, like, look, Les is not going to give you run of the mall stuff. He's not going to give you something you've seen somewhere else. Yeah. What are you going to eat when Les is cooked? There's going to be something new, something completely different to any other you had before. Yeah. And so, what do you say to people who take that whole elevate our food thing personally? Because it's like, what, why are you elevating? What makes their food better than our food? You know what <laughs> I mean? Like, so in your mind, you're not, you're not talking about it in terms of class necessarily. You're talking no. about about what the sophistication or the appreciation, right? That's it. I mean, yeah. we studied. I can't be serving something you can make at home. You can't go to a dentist to ask the dentist to floss your teeth for you. I mean, you go there because they're professional at what they do. Yeah. And that's what I'm trying to show people. I'm a professional at what I do. Okay. We chefs are professionals at what we do. Uh, we can't be giving you everyday cuisine. Yes, it's stuff that you do recognize. Yeah. It's stuff that you've grown up eating. But you're going to put a professional twist to it. It's not about trying to to mean our culture, trying to say, oh, the way we cook is backwards. No. Or trying oh, to Frenchify no, African food. No, or try and, not trying that at yeah, all. Yeah. It's about having fun with our food, elevating it. When foreigners come to South Africa, you want to show them, look, we can also have fun with our food. It's not the, you have to go to a Shisanyam or you have to go to a township. You have to, we can also have levels to our food as well. And yeah. that's what I'm trying to get people thinking about. Like, look, there's levels to it all. And it's not just the food, the alcohol, the culture, the, there's different levels to it all. Yeah. Let's open up our minds to it. And, it, and we're not waiting for some no, some, some fad to start yeah. in New York or whatever. No. Like, I know like there's this whole Philippine Filipino food vibe yeah. taking yeah. over New York yeah. or like Nigerian biggest, food. I think the know. third biggest franchise in America, um, Chipotle, a Mexican food one, started by an American, a white American. Yeah. And there's a restaurant in New York called um, South Africa and they sell South African cuisine. Why aren't we doing it ourselves? Why aren't we the ones exporting? Yeah. So we need to start thinking out of the box that way. Okay. Yeah. So let's talk about what I'm looking at right now. And Look obviously, we have to describe <laughs> we have to describe it for the listeners because okay. they can't see it. So there's Mohodu right there's in front Mohodu. of me. This massive silver pot uh-huh. of offal. Uh-huh. 
and I see tripe in there. Is that oh, uh, else? intestines and tripe? Okay, cool. And then to the right now, we've got some oil heating up. Uh, What's no, that about to happen? Uh, chutney and balsamic reduction. Oh wow, cool. Oh, so, so what's the, how did you get that shiny like that? What is what's the shiny? Um, the sugar in the chutney does the that. The sugar in the chutney. So that's part of our stuff. Caramelization. Hey, listen yes. to you, Chef Andy. You've been rubbing off, bro. <laughs> I follow you on social, bro. Okay, so this is a emulsion cake. So sampling beans cake. Oh my word! Yeah. Do you know what that reminds me of? Actually, oh. it reminds me of a polenta. At least it looks like polenta on the outside. So what have you done? So it's what bread crumbs on the outside? That's why. Yeah. So it's got this breaded look on the outside, yeah. and then on the inside, mushu being um, it's sampan beans. So sampan beans. Yeah, corn and beans, and there's also some cheese in there. There is some mixed herbs as well. And so you've yeah. made that, and you've made this. Uh, you made it into a nice little round cake. Yeah, so thing. we're just going to brown it, and that's going to okay. go with our main course. Okay. Okay. This here is a red wine reduction. Okay. So I just need to add a bit more red wine to get it more watery. So we're testing today. Okay. So when you say I'm testing, I mean, yeah. what, do you, what do you mean? What does that mean? I want to see the practicality of the imagined uh, menu. Okay. So all the dishes on the menu I've never done before. Okay. That and how long they're going to take to put out? Exactly. That kind of thing. How long it will take, what works, what doesn't, what tastes good, what doesn't. You plate the things as well to see what works on the plate and not how we're going to change it to make it look a bit better. Okay. So that's all part of the creating of the menu, the designing okay. of the menu. Okay. And then there's the deep fat fry over yeah. there. Yeah, making cocktail macquay. Yeah. Cool. So they're like donut hole size. <laughs> <laughs> donut hole size macquay. Yeah, that's for our starters. So you want to, with starters, you want to be giving people huge portions. So you started yesterday. Yeah, but what, how long is this, how long this process going to take? Is it, does it end when you... You're satisfied, you've got four yeah. courses in front of you, you've tried and tested them, you're happy with the taste, yeah. and you're confident that the team can execute yeah, it on I the understand day. What doing. Yeah. Okay. Then Friday I come back, we do it all over again on Friday, then Saturday in the morning, it's go time. Okay. How much of the business side of being a chef has sapped the maybe the love and the passion you have for food <laughs> out of it for you? Because the most you successful you, you get do. as yeah. a chef, the less you get to actually do what I'm doing now today. And you get Look, you have to choose them. So I chose to do this because I would get to actually cook and do what I do. But most of the time, the more successful you get, the more it's about admin, it's about appearances, it's about talking to people. It's about having the team behind you cooking and not you. So, look, I miss that side of things. And that is why I tend to reject a lot of um, requests and a lot of um, interviews in order to go and do what I'm doing today. So this whole week, out of the seven days, four of them I'm spending here in the kitchen. Because this is where I love being. Yeah. They obviously can't see it right now, but this is one of those open, open cooking scenarios yeah. where, open as kitchen. people are dining, they can look into the kitchen and it's see what's going, going on. on. Do you like yeah. that? Uh, I've that, gotten used to it. People awesome. like seem to enjoy watching chefs cook. I don't know why, but yeah. Okay, so you're obviously not screaming at your staff. The, no, the way we're not. Say I mean, Ram, you can hear. We're laughing. We're not that type. Is he, is he a nice guy? Yeah. <laughs> no comment. What was that? No comment. No. No. no I'm kidding. <laughs> now people are just uh, watching their back. <laughs> no, this is cool, bro. Behind me here, I see some. Are those? Oh, some seafood, yeah. Yeah, this is scallops. Oh, those are scallops. Okay, scallops, mm-hmm. and I see some shrimp over here. Yeah. Oh, that is so cute. Are you serving those raw? No. Oh, okay. 
<laughs> oh, it's <laughs> marinating. Yeah, it's marinating okay. when you grill them. We've done the Mozambique style. I'm showing you how much I know about shellfish. I don't eat shellfish. So I'm right. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, no, we wouldn't well, do that. People question. would die. People no, no, you, people, you can. People eat them raw. You can. You add lemon juice. You let them sit in lemon juice, and people eat them that way. Okay, cool. Same with um, scallops. You can just put them in lemon juice, and people eat them like that. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. And then what's, uh, I see, is a, a mayonnaise looking thing. Yeah, it's aioli. Aioli. So, what's the difference between aioli and mayonnaise? Um, aioli is mayonnaise with garlic. How? Oh. Okay. That's all. I thought <laughs> there's nothing else. With a name like aioli, I thought it was going to yeah. be like, but it does look amazing. Yeah. And that one's obviously made from scratch. Yeah, we made it, we're teaching them this morning. So that's the egg, uh, egg yolk with oil drizzled in, see? Yeah, mustard. Slowly. <laughs> but keep your hand moving, right? Am I yeah, right so yeah, far? Yeah, yeah, right yeah, so far? Yeah, yeah. At which point do you add the, the, the garlic and the... At the end. At the end. Yeah, they just let it sit so it infuses. Okay, so that's going to go with the, the seafood. Yeah, it? the seafood, yeah. Let's talk about ingredients. Like, how do you determine what's worth using or what you'd like to use versus something that might be beneath you as a chef or do you do you even have those things or does it just come down to is something tasting good how do you determine mm, I just go with freshness eh? if it's okay. in a box I try avoid it okay. that's basically my rule of thumb if it's in a tin or a box I try avoid so it so then a, like a curry for example how do you get a, a curry or a, a masala going you like do it from scratch you like you'll yeah, pick every you single go, spice I'll, I'll that? pick every single spice and make my own masala masala basically means blend because we've gotten used to boxes of stuff yeah. we assume that is what it's meant to taste like no you can go and get your whole array of spices and make your own. Okay. Yeah. So, do you dream about what your ideal kitchen looks oh, like the same way? Every say? chef does. I was actually going through a catalog earlier on. I was saying to Chef Lee, if I could buy this entire catalog, we're always looking for other things. I mean, equipment. Um, you know, so, what would be in it? Like, what, 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 what would be in your dream kitchen? Like, I'd have a blast chiller. What a blast chiller does is freezes something literally in one minute. So, you put something in there, it will freeze in a minute. So, those are awesome. Yeah. 70,000 for one. Okay. Um, I would have, uh, what's it called again, that machine? A Miracle Whip. Uh, not a Miracle Whip, I forget what it's called. But it basically makes your purees for you. So you put whatever ingredients you want, you close it, it'll make a puree. Wow. Um, also, 120,000 for it. Um, I would have state of the art gas ovens. I want those standing ovens where you put in different levels. They can bake a whole wedding cake in an hour. Sponsor alert. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Dude. No, because I was waiting for something on your list that maybe I could get you for Christmas <laughs> or like for your birthday. Nah. I'm like, ah, wow. Okay. Unless you're selling your house or your car. Nah, yeah, sorry, yeah, nah, nah, no, no, no. No, no, you just happen. carry on listing that thing. <laughs> Someone's listening, hopefully, one day. <laughs> Even the knives you want. What about those things? I've seen those things, like, I see them on YouTube. I watch, you know, food uh, uh, videos all day, not all day, but yeah. certainly a lot. They cook things through, like, you put stuff in a plastic bag, you vacuum yeah, pack it all the yeah. yeah, what does that do? Like, what the... Uh, it used to be fashionable a few years ago, but a sous vide does, it's a slow cooker. It cooks your food at a certain temperature. Okay. The reason it uses water, water is the most consistent in terms of temperature. It won't fluctuate too much. Okay, so that's not so, cool anymore, apparently. Like, it's not cool anymore now. Ish. So, <laughs> I'm stuck on 2008. <laughs> All right, cool. But yeah, no, fashions come and go, same as clothing. There's different ones. So let's talk about how you match food with what people are having with it. So I don't consume alcohol at all, yeah. but my wife and I have launched this this grape juice brand called Latanda. Yeah, awesome. I tasted it over the weekend. Oh, did you taste it? Yeah. What did you think? It was awesome. Then I used it as Dash. It's awesome as Dash as well. Are you serious? It lacked alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's but not no, it's awesome. it's My not girlfriend loves it. it. Really? Oh. 
Okay, this is not prompted. Guys are going to listen to this. <laughs> oh, please. You listen to that segue. No, segway. no, for real. Listen she loved it. I just uh, added alcohol to it. I'm sorry. Did you? Uh, did, did you? Okay. Well, it's I, awesome. I'm not going to judge. I'm not going to judge. I'm no, a we, chef. It's what we do. It's what you do. And alcohol, it's awesome. Okay, cool. So, but I mean, how do you decide, um, how do you decide what to pay with what? It's really just down to, to... I always tell people, don't go with what someone has told you. It's about what you feel in your mouth. Every pellet is different. So Every in which case, it's okay that I'm not going to have no, any of you. You're going to cook fine. with alcohol. It's perfectly, perfectly fine. fine. Cool. I tell people, look, this is what I enjoy. Yeah. If you don't enjoy it, doesn't mean it's crap. It yeah. means that yeah. you, your pellet is different from mine. Yeah. It's the same as clothes. I look at these kids in Bromfontein. They're like, what the hell are they wearing? But then they say it's fashion forward. Yeah, I don't, it, looks, it. it looks like nonsense to me. Yeah, so like, every person's flavor... I mean, yeah. That's when people say I'm going to a five-star restaurant. Then they say, "Yo, the food was horrible," but someone else says it was awesome. I mean, everyone is different. Yeah, everyone. So again, you you lead me to an interesting question. Now. Yeah. Uh, the whole uh, industry around critiquing food. Yeah. What do you make of it? Like, what do you think of it? Like, do you have a love-hate relationship? Because I'm sure it's cool when when like someone everyone respects says, "Ah, oh, Les's food is amazing." Yeah. I'm sure it's also frustrating at the same time when someone who clearly doesn't have yeah. a taste for what you're trying to do yeah. or an appreciation for it yeah. pans, pans your work. Like how, what's your relationship with, with the world of critiquing food? Um, I'm trying to explain your personal vision to someone who isn't there to support it, they're there to look for mistakes. Yeah. Is, yeah, no, I, I won't say I'm a fan of them, but there's a gap for everything. I mean, I understand... The whole world is full of bloggers now, and everyone thinks they're an expert at stuff. And it's a free world. Everyone can say what they want. Yeah. Uh, my core market is the customer. And if you're going to be a critic and a blogger, it's fine. Come do your thing. But if you're not happy, I really don't mind. Because okay. my person is the person who came here to have a good time, not so, to look for mistakes. Yeah, so, and of course they're cleaning around us, so that's fine. <laughs> We're in a kitchen. What do I expect them to do? Uh, but, so, I mean, people are coming on, on, on for this event. It's like, every time you cook for people, what are you hoping people I'm take away? No, go ahead. I'm, uh, I'm a chicken heart. I'm a chicken heart. I'm a spider one. You're doing chicken hearts? Yeah. I've never had I chicken I told you hearts. stuff from home. I've never had chicken hearts. <laughs> I've had beef hearts. It's, yeah. it's probably... Um, aside from tripe, it's probably the one internal organ that I can stomach. I'm not really good with liver. I'm not good with really. Yeah, I'm not good with the texture of liver. And, well, and chicken hot sweet doing our wrapped in bacon. Was that just bacon. Bacon. the oil? Would bacon work? Like if I use like a the M word? You don't eat bacon. I don't eat bacon. I What's... only eat pork. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about this. This is interesting. We're going to come back to the previous question, right? But I mean, what do you, what do you make of people like me who obviously who <laughs> I walk through your kitchen and it's clear I don't eat bacon. I'm not going to have the seafood. You don't I'm, have I'm, alcohol. I'm not going to have the alcohol. Am I am I the the diner from hell? <laughs> you are those people. We, we yeah no, I, yeah we don't like you. Gordon Ramsay once served meat to a vegetarian. That's how pissed off he was. Yeah. Okay, so, so what we, do you live in those extremes, though? We judge, we'll find out which table you are, and we'll come and look at you. And, and slip like, oh, like, and, and we'll whisper and about you. Into my no, no, I won't slip anything. We'll whisper about you and talk about you <laughs> as you walk out. We'll also say stuff as you walk out, but yeah, oh, we, we accept it. Oh, <laughs> we have to be professional, but yeah, we'll talk about you, don't worry. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Why don't you bake it? Pork's just not a great meat. Uh, okay. Yeah, I mean, well, when I say great meat, I just, you know, from a health point of view, I, I have trouble digesting meat in general. Okay. And and as far as as far as red meats go, pink to red meats go, pork is one of the 
Listen. Anyway, let me get into this debate yeah, with you. Yeah, so, But look, for those of you interested in what they're doing, they're, I see he's, uh, what do yeah. you call it, glazing? Yeah. So he's he, he just using it. a brush to put some, is it olive oil? Yeah. Uh, on it and then you're going to yeah. throw it in the pan. Or are you going to cook it in that reduction? Yeah, so, no, no. You're going to put it in the oven. Oh, you're going to roast it? Yeah. Okay. I'm sure you could do, yeah, I'm sure you could do make it. Anyway. <laughs> you try it and you tell me. I'll tell you. I'll tell I'm you. not going to try it myself. You're not going to do it. <laughs> I, I cut you in the middle of telling you like, what you hope. So 40 people are coming. Yeah. They're no doubt fans of yours. They've seen you on television. They're probably followers of you on social media. Might, might have even had your food before, so they're fans. Mm-hmm. What are you hoping for someone who's never experienced anything you've had to cook? Like, so typically, what's your attitude towards someone who sits down and says, feed me? If they don't say at least, wow one time through the four courses I failed. Wow. That is the goal. If someone, if I put a plate gets put down in front of me, I go, you are, wow. Yeah. That is my goal. I've reached what I've wanted. Yeah. It's all about visual appeal firstly. I know the food, I mean, I'm South African, I'm from Soviet, there's always soul food. I know my food yeah. tastes good. My whole thing is getting the person to think out of the box. That is why I'm going to arrive, tell the story, and explain to them, okay, you're about to eat chicken hearts and grain, yeah, and you're going to have cabbage, and they're going to be expecting a home cooking. Yeah. Then a plate comes out and they'll be like, you all, I didn't expect it to look this way. Right. I didn't think this is what you were talking about when you said you were going to serve me chicken out. Yeah. So that is the, the goal. If no one actually gets a plate and they go, yo, then yeah. I suppose in some way it's affirmation. It's like we need yeah. someone saying, it's a I think like, what you're doing. You're doing it right. There's these documentaries I've watched where you know European chefs are all chasing these stars, or, you know, global yeah. chefs actually, yeah. you know, the, the Michelin stars and stuff like that. And, and some of them fall apart their whole lives fall apart yeah. in the pursuit of those stars and that kind of thing surely there's, a, there's, there's the, a point where it's unhealthy there is and a few have committed suicide where the Michelin stars have been taken away from them so some of them they've created it's almost a competition you've got chefs like that who are in the industry to compete that goal is to be better than the next chef it's to show off to other chefs people appreciate Michelin stars tend to be chefs yeah. for people in the industry uh, or if it's a normal person someone who understands food to that level. I mean, the everyday person, if I told my mom I'm going to a Michelin star restaurant, she won't care. She won't care, yeah. And there's that level of chefing that people, they're in for acclamation from people, and I'm not about that. I'm okay. not in the industry to get acclamation and to get approval and to get ticks wherever I'm, I am. I'm here to make people smile. I'm to get them to enjoy food and to look at it differently. And if I've done that, that's more than enough for me. But isn't the frustration that oftentimes those Michelin stars uh, or the affirmation or the vibe, yeah. you know, the, the, the PR spin around, around food and whether you get it or not is, is linked to actually making money out of chefing? It is. It's isn't that the frustration? It's all marketing. It's like a, um, movie reviews where this movie got five stars, that one got four stars, whatnot. Same thing with the restaurants. The chefs push those stars and they forget that it's about actually bringing joy to people. And those Michelin star restaurants tend to be very serious. They tend to be, this is how you serve food. And once you get a Michelin star, from the moment the star is given to you, that is how your food is expected to be every day. So you can't innovate you it, you can't, can't change it. You can't change. There's some um, restaurants who've even given the Michelin stars back because they felt that they were so restricted. Because your kitchen is judged. They come in and judge your kitchen. They come in and judge your service, the liquor you serve, the type of cuisine you have. And literally, so I suppose if you won for a certain vibe, you're also, you know, less likely to try and tweak it and everything in the, in, in the in thinking that maybe no. you actually yeah. drop your standard in some, you know, drop the yeah. ball somewhere. Yeah. And that's that pressure now. Since you'll be called a Michelin star chef, 
and suddenly your restaurant isn't a Michelin star restaurant anymore. People start thinking, oh, oh, it means his quality has gone down. And that's the problem now with people who have got Michelin stars. It's linked to you for life. And when you start doing food that's more comforting, people start judging you now. So that's the pressure of it. If you someone who's never had one, you can create wow, wow, wow food. And people won't be judging you because of a star level, they'll just judge your food. So given the heart you have for everything you're doing, right? Yeah. What are the practical challenges around monetizing but not losing the soul of what you do? The practical challenge is everyone thinks they have a price. The more famous you get, the more well-known, they think the more they can approach you with stuff and buy you out. Corporates want you to do that campaign. And, uh, I'm very picky about what campaigns I do. I reject quite a few. Like It's not linked to the person I am. And if it means I have to sign to this company for like another year or so and my face will be linked to you, People start questioning Les, like, wow, Les is actually a corporate seller, and that's not who I am. Yeah. Um, but then the other side of things, I'm not in the industry just to play around with food. I'm here to make money as well. Yeah, to make also, a living, to, um, make, yeah. Yeah, to make a legacy, that's it. feed your babies. <laughs> yeah, I want to get married. And when I they happen, when they happen. Houses, I want to afford all of those things too. Yeah. So it's a catch-22. You sit sometimes and wonder, uh, okay, if I was to sell out a little bit, and let this person sponsor me for a year and let me be branded, would it be as bad? And then you think about it and you realize, look, people enjoy what you do because you are real, okay. because you are who you are. Yeah. And you don't twist up your words about, don't lie, this is what you do, this is what you believe about food, this is what you believe about corporate. And luckily, I've been very lucky in terms of the people who have approached me to do stuff now, yeah. they actually understand. They want me to stay where I am okay. and not to try change anything. And that is the, the nice part of it when you also get successful. People start to understand the reason why you're successful. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone seems quite happy in your kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, how do you address an issue if you, don't, if you don't like what you're saying? Say they were pulling it out of the oven wrong or they were doing this right or wrong. Just, well, and see what the error was and then we'll do it again. Just be like train no. smash. No, okay. not about yelling and whatnot. No. You're not about picking up the chicken heart and throwing it in someone's face. Why would I, what what you gain from that though? Good TV, I guess. <laughs> Ask Gordon Ramsay, I don't know. No, he plays the cameras very well. Yeah, like takes But a they are, I mean, chefs are very, very highly strong. The this? ones who work for people, they tend to be very... And the ones who own the restaurant as well. They tend to be very... Because you're pressured. There's goals that you've been set, there's targets, and... You don't see people, you see line items walking past you. Yeah. And if they're not delivering, <laughs> you're like, why are you here? <laughs> but then again, we are Africans, that's the other thing. I mean, every kitchen I've worked in where it's mostly people of our calendar. Yeah. It's not as hectic as where it's run by um, Caucasians, white people. Yeah. So we have that Ubuntu in the kitchens that we work in. We can talk to each other. And, and the food still is just as good? Please it's tell still people. Good. Okay, Same of quality. Actually, the majority, because the backline chefs are black people. It's the, the front where it's the head chef or the exec chef. They're the ones who tend to yell. So that's uh, the interesting thing I've seen in our industry where the cultures in the kitchen are very, very different in terms of how we approach things. Wow. And that's uh, the other side of me. I don't yell at people. I've got to be real. I mean, food is food. It can get messed up as well. Mm. So yelling at someone is not going to achieve. The thing is still, it's all been a means to an end. And the ultimate goal is to get a fund created where we can actually start funding black kids to go to chef schools. That's my goal. Okay. And that's why I'm holding up the profile so much. So the government can say, okay, we can back this guy because of his name and whatnot. And tell me about why that's so important to you. Because there, 
seems to be two schools of thoughts around the importance of chef school. Right? A, lot of, a lot of celebrated chefs these days tend to be cooks that came up through the system yeah. and didn't necessarily go to school. And you'll find some people saying in the industry saying, oh, that's really what you should do. Go get the experience while you're young and everything. Don't worry with chef school. Find your your artistic language in the, in, in culinary in the field of culinary fields. And then um, there's you, obviously, values what you got there. And quite frankly, looking at you, uh, it served you really, really well. Am I... Would I be right in saying that for, for people of color, youngsters in, in, from, from the hood we grew up in, mm. almost need culinary school just to get a chance or to, yeah. to, to, to have a chance at a legitimate career yeah, in the field? Thing is, is that what it is? It is, basically. Because you can enter the kitchen. If you've got the diploma, there's a certain more respect that you're given as a, as a black kid. Unfortunately, it's our our key in. Then once you're in there, you get a chance to prove yourself and yeah. get to the level that you need to. But if you were to start as a scholar and then try apply to a top restaurant, they'll be like, "No, who are you?" But if you were a different color, then it would be easier to get in. Yeah, yeah. Because um, I mean, there are all these stories about so and so went and yeah. knocked on so and so's door, yeah. stood there for ten days in the snow, and then was I let know in. So many, I've met so many in the yeah. industry. But they all seem and to be white. Yeah, no, they're the only ones. <laughs> yeah. I worked with a uh, chef who had worked 30 years, also started as a scholar, and he worked 30 years in one place, and he was only at sous chef level. Wow. Yeah, wow. and then I met, I worked under a head chef, who also worked as a scholar, and after five years, he was at exec chef level, white guy. Okay. So, I mean, The odds of that being the story of a little boy from a, a local township isn't likely. Yeah. Okay. And also, it gives a key to travel as well. I'm all about our people going out to see the world. Yeah. Go out there, show people what we are made of. Yeah. Get that South African language out there. Come back and share your knowledge. I'm all about sharing knowledge. And with a diploma, with a qualification, you can go anywhere in the world. Okay. And that's my, my goal. And it's also, I mean, the more knowledge you have, the more you start having books written about our food, the more confident a chef will be. I mean, I'm confident in what I know because I've studied yeah. And you get books. I mean, there's very little books about our food. There's very little books and chefs talking about the technical side of our food. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's cooking shows and they cook home food. There's no black chef who actually gets technical and says, I'm making a red wine reduction, jus, what, what, and this is why you do this, so, so, so. Yeah. There needs to be more of us to make the scene more professional. Yeah. And in so doing, the salaries will start going up. And so doing, people start respecting us more. We'll have more black-owned chef restaurants. How many can you name? Hard, hardly. Like, hardly any hardly and that's yeah, the thing it's, and it's unfortunate so we, we come we work and we work for people I'm all about you come into the industry you qualify and you open your own thing you open your, you become your own brand I'm all about that yeah yeah. You obviously, we can obviously find recipes you post online and everything but yeah. there's the cookbook there's the there's, yeah, there's the cookbook that I, I've seen at least <laughs> two or three times being requested on your timeline yeah um, and then there's when we get to come to Les's restaurant yeah and, but where are you at in terms of that now given everything that's happened since we last spoke cookbook maybe next year end of next year okay cool. because it's work and it also needs lots of funding okay. hence me pulling up the brand name so I can approach anyone and ask them to fund me I've got that going actually speaking to someone right now so that hopefully end of next year. Because the model around that's not actually to make money off the cookbook, right? Yeah. It's almost like you're... you don't. No author makes money unless you J.K. Rowling or whatever. <laughs> There's no way you make money. Yeah, actually, that whole thing has taught me so much that the world of writing, yeah, I respect authors now. 
yeah. Anyway, so it's part of a greater model. It's yeah. it's it's, it's, part, it's part of either what you're doing for the love or for your legacy, and certainly maybe from a yeah, for 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 respect of what you do, yeah. I guess. The most expensive books you can write are cookbooks, um, books on traveling and photography, that type of stuff that needs you to actually bring stuff in or go somewhere. That's sure. so expensive. Yeah. So yeah, you don't make any money from that. The restaurant itself needs you 100% dedicated to, and right now I'm focused on holding the brand up. Okay. So, so once I've got yeah. to the level where I'm not on TV anymore, if I'm on TV. That's all I'm doing. I'm not doing any more designing of menus. I'm not doing cakes. I'm not. If those businesses are all running themselves, I've got people managing them. Then I'll move into the restaurant. And what's the biggest in you, of all those things? Like, what are the? What's the mainstay of what you do? Like, from a from a financial point of view, if there was a little kid, there's some kid listening to this, going, "What do I start with? Um, I can't afford to just do things for the love, and I need to, you know, build from a sustainable." What do you do first? What do you so, do first? So, I mean, we live in a visual world. So think clever about it. What do people like looking at a lot? What do people go wow about? What do people enjoy that they can't make themselves? It'll be cakes. Those fancy cakes you make. Cakes. Yeah, yeah. It's all visual. You make a cake, you take a photo of it, and that thing's like, it's art, it's a talent. No yeah. one can go replicate that. They would need to come speak to you. So think of it that way. Get in there, and then when they come for the cake, with the wedding cake, like, oh, by the way, I cook as well. Wow. And they're like, oh, really? You can come cake to my wedding, and you get into the wedding catering side, and they'll ask you maybe for bread as well, and you get into the baking side. So start a visual. You'll get your foot in, and once you've got that going, then you start spreading the wings. Actually, it's interesting you say that because there's there's a trend towards these hood cooks in the in the US. Yeah. So but then they'll be cooking in their mother's driveway or whatever. But the main thing is to cook, find people who really love what you're doing yeah. and then like they start sharing these these um, these photos yeah. they, they they go viral some of them or not. Yeah. You know, but the main thing is you just capture people's imaginations yeah. and then it starts opening doors. Yeah. So if there's a model that's your model. That's it. If you're okay. someone who wants to get in there Start that way. Start with the visual. Okay. That's the world we live in. Everyone's on their phone all the time. Yeah. Get into that market that way. Alright, man. Yeah. Many thanks to Chef Lesejo Semenya for sharing his story with me. And again, the man goes by Les the Chef on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, so be sure to show him love. And if you're keen to engage his services or collaborate on a project, you can reach him via his website. It's lesdechef.com. And of course, do check him out on Top Chef SA on SABC3. It is on Tuesday evenings at 8 p.m.